Welcome back, friends. This is the Black Love Podcast Network, and you're listening to Parenting for the Culture with me, Cherie Sims. As always, I'm going to start with the peak and pit of my day. And for those of you that don't know, the peak and pit is the best part and the worst part of our days. It's something that me and my family share at dinner time, and it gives us a way to connect with each other and find out how our days went. So the pit of my day today was going to the gas station. I know y'all have been there or ran away from there. I think I need to start riding a bike. Only I have six children, so I need some type of contraction, contraption, what's the word? That will connect all six of them. No, really just two of them. The rest of them can all ride bikes with me because my van is a bus and it's, I think it's about 25 gallons. I kid you not, it was $165 today to fill up my tank, which is just the most ridiculous thing because I don't like feeling old. And when I can tell stories that start with, I remember when filling up my tank used to cost $20, that makes me feel old. And so I don't appreciate these gas increases for many reasons. So that's the pit of my day. The peak of my day is watching my children swim. It's summertime and we are in swim classes and the twins are really cute learning how to swim. (laughs) They're just really, really sweet and cute. And I love it because doing what I do and working with children and watching children's development, I think one of the most fun things for me has been watching two people who were born at the same time, watching them develop so differently and being able to really put into practice the different things that I talk about. So, you know, Matilda is out there and she just jumps right in the water and starts swimming there's quotes around that. She's she's doing it. She's not drowning. I wouldn't, you know, she's not an Olympian, but it's it's the cutest little movements that you could see in water with her little body. And she's getting from one place to another. And then Daniel's out there. <laughs> Daniel's not out there. Daniel is in the water by the wall, quote, not holding the wall because he's not actually gripping it, but his hands are on the wall as he kind of like lifts his feet every now and then. But he's so proud of himself. And I'm so proud of him because both of them, I'm about to sound real cheesy, but this is what I do, y'all. Both of them are listening to their bodies. Both of them are doing what's comfortable for them. Both of them are challenging themselves a little bit and learning and doing a little bit more each and every day. Neither one of them is worried about what the other one is doing or comparing themselves. They both get out feeling like they did a great, amazing job And I'm just so proud of them. And it's so much fun to watch how proud they are of themselves when they do whatever they do, whether it's a glide with kicks or just I got my shoulders wet. Like, I love it. So that is the peak of my day watching them learn how to swim. So I want to I want to talk I want to talk about black love today. Y'all, this is the Black Love Podcast Network. So why not talk about black love? But I don't want to talk about it in the sense of just romance, right? Black love comes in all different dynamics and directions. Obviously, I'm a black mom with black children married to a black man. So I have different dynamics of black love in that way. Um, And I'm also a part of the black love family, which to me is more than just this podcast. And I know that you all have been introduced to me here on this podcast. So maybe you think that my love is just you know, the fact that I get to do this podcast and being a member of the family in that way. But this family goes beyond me sitting here on the mic. Uh, One of my best friends is actually Brandy 
uh, Johnson, Brandy Jackson. You would think I would know her name. I just called her one of my best friends. <laughs> it's because my mind saw her Instagram handle, Be Stereo, and I was like, what is that woman's name? But anyways, one of my best friends is Brandy and her husband, John. Uh, and they were actually uh, one of the couples on an episode of Black Love on one of the seasons. And to me, friendship is Black Love. And the black love that we share in our friendship is one that helps me so much as a parent. I don't even quite know how to get into this, y'all. Like, she's someone that I talk to almost every other day. And she's also someone that I talk to, like, that's one of those people I can't answer the phone or call her unless I know that I have two available hours because we are going to talk for a very long time. She is my go-to in places where I need my village and I feel very alone in parenting. So the most recent example was, I think I shared with you all recently that my son broke his arm. He broke his arm at about 2 p.m. in the afternoon. We were playing at the park. I was right by him. He was climbing the play structure. He was saying, mommy, watch me. And I said, I'm watching you, baby. Like, this is not one of those instances where I'm absent or not doing my job as a parent. I'm right there with him. And he falls probably from only like two, three feet up. He's kind of climbing on the side of the play structure, but he's not high at all. There is a cushy floor underneath. And then there are some like stepping stone rocks that you can step on to actually get on one side of the play structure. So somehow his hand slips and the way he falls, he just cracks his elbow on one of those rock things. And it's just one of those accidents that's like it it really couldn't have been prevented unless I wanted to be a total helicopter mom and like hold him every move that he made, which was ridiculous because he's four and he knows how to walk and climb. And again, he wasn't very high. So it was just one of those things that was a complete accident. We did have other children with us. I had my own children and then I had some other children who were in my pod school. So me and the other teacher get in the car. We load up all the children. Most of you know, like sometimes things happen with our children and they cry and we don't know right away how severe the injury is, right? We kind of have to judge the cry and we kind of have to wait a minute and we might start throwing bribes just to see how bad it is. We're like, do you want a popsicle? Because we know if they're not really hurt, they're going to be like, yeah, a popsicle. And then they're good. And we're like, oh, you're good. We can go home. So he was steady crying. Nothing was, nothing was easing him, but his cry was not loud. He was just crying. It was kind of a whiny cry, and he was saying, I'm hurt. So I knew that he was hurt, but I couldn't really tell how bad it was. So anyways, we get in the car. We are in the bus, so I have to drop off all of the children on the way to take him to the hospital to emergency room. So we get to the hospital around 3.15, 3 o'clock, L.A. traffic, y'all. You know it's bad. So I go to Kaiser in West L.A. We were in Inglewood. It took us that long to get there. But I literally like went from the park to the hospital where I had to drop everybody was on the way to the hospital. So it's not like I had to go far out of the way. And I'm giving you all this backstory because it's going to make sense once I get there. So I get to the hospital. We check in. Of course, emergency room has a ridiculously long wait. By the time we get back to get him seen, it's probably about 4.30, 5 o'clock. He's still in pain. I'm like, can y'all get him an ice pack, some Tylenol, something? And the nurse asks him, do you want some pain medicine? And he says, yes, my elbow hurts. And I'm like, get the boy some pain medicine. And then she looks at the chart on the wall and she's like, which which of these are you? And she points to like the emojis. And so he 
points to a happy face emoji. Because while he's in pain, he's still a happy person. So he's like, I'm the happy face. And she's like, okay, I'm not going to get him any medicine. And I said, excuse me? She was like, yeah, he doesn't need medicine. He's fine. He just said he's fine. I'm like, no, he also just said he's in pain. Get the boy medicine. Like he can be happy and in pain. So that was strike one for me, right? Then... While we're there and in between getting x-rays and waiting on the doctor and whatever else, I have two to three different nurses come in a probably about 10 different times to ask me again, what exactly happened? How did he fall? Where were you? Where was this? And now as a child care provider, I'm well aware of what it is to be a mandated reporter. And I recognize the importance of it. And I understand that that's needed. So I do recognize that, one, they need to know what happened so they can treat him. And two, they're doing their job because they also need to see if there are any signs for abuse. But if I have told y'all three different people five different times the same story, I'm going to need y'all to stop coming in here and questioning me about how this happened to my son and help him or at least just help him while you're questioning me, trying to figure out or trying to find a way to make me be the bad mom here. And that became really t- discomforting isn't the word. Uneasy isn't the word. I don't have a word for what it was, but I really hated that feeling. I hated feeling like I'm going to a place to get help and I get there and now I'm worried that you're more focused on possibly taking my son from me than you are on helping me and my son get the care that he needs. And so finally a nurse comes in for a 11th time and she says, okay, and what what time again did this happen? I said, this happened around 2 p.m. She said, yesterday? I'm like, no, y'all really trying to catch me up? No, this didn't happen yesterday. This happened today. I came right in. We're here. We're trying to get care for him. Please help him. So all of that to say, when I left the hospital, who's the number one person that I called? (laughs) I call Brandy because in those moments, I need to call my black friend who understands what it feels like. And I noticed that these are the types of things that sometimes white people don't believe that we experience them. They think, oh, they're just doing their job. But we can feel and we know what it feels like when to feel like you just want to help your son And you have to worry about them possibly taking your son, that you just you can't just go somewhere and get care for your son. That I feel like is something that's very specific to black parents. And that is something that is very specific to black parenting, these extra things that we have to think about. This isn't just me. I've had friends who have called me, again, Brandy, who say, you know, my youngest son, he just hit himself. He has this. I'm not sure what to do. Should I take him in? Should I try to help it here? And those conversations always sound like document it. Like you got to do everything you have to do to protect yourself and your son. And, you know, you don't want to wait too long to go to the doctor because then they're going to question you why you didn't come in sooner. Yet you also don't want to go in if you can just solve it at home because then they might have a record that he's been in X amount of times. I also want to make note that like a couple of doctors kept telling me, oh, little boys between two and four years old coming in with elbow injuries is the highest statistic of emergency room visits that we have. And I mentioned that because If you already know that this is the number one reason people come in, that parents come in, is with boys ages two to four who injured themselves on a playground, specifically in that area on their elbow, 
I'm not sure why we have to question me so much as if there's something else going on. Like you already know that this is very average and very regular. But again, this is something that not everybody, depending on your background, your race, not everybody experiences this. And it can feel very heavy and very lonely when you are sitting there with your child trying to do what's best for them and you feel like the organization or several people in there are against you. And this is why to me, Parenting isn't just about what do I know about child development. For me, parenting isn't just about what is the script and what is the right thing I say to my child. For me, parenting, more specifically parenting my Black children and raising my Black children, is completely about Black love and the Black village and the people that I have and can go to and who will support me and understand what that experience is like. You know, I often talk about the importance of validating children and their feelings. I can only get validation in those kind of feelings from people who have also experienced that and people who also understand what that's like. And that that is the type of support I need. I don't need to be in a space where I have a child with a broken arm. I feel like somebody's trying to take my child away from me. I'm flustered with anxiety and fear and anger And feel like I can't get angry because then I'm going to alter the care that I might get for my son, right? I can't deal with all of those feelings and and then deal with somebody telling me, that's just in your head. That's not real. They're just doing their job. It's not about race. It's not about that. It's not what you think. Like, that's a horrible feeling. And again, it's just very lonely. So to have people that know that experience... And unfortunately, have been through multiple experiences like that to have those people in my corner and in my village that I can call when I go through those things. Like, it's important. That is one of the most important parts about parenting for me. I used to teach a different parenting classes and parenting workshops. And a lot of times it would be parents of color that would join the group. And I think that was part of what made the group so strong because these different conversations would come up. These conversations of how do I raise my black children in a predominantly white school? How do I raise them to love themselves? How do I raise them to love their hair? That's a huge thing. Y'all, I'm half black, half white. I have long curls, right? I have, quote, good hair, right? Growing up, that was the phrase that I got. You have good hair. And even with, quote, good hair, I grew up around all white people and I did not like my hair. I used to try to get headbands to like push it back to see what it would look like straight. I used to try to braid it so it would like hang a little bit longer and not be frizzy because again, I was raised by a white mom. So she didn't really have the products to like control the frizz. So nor did she know how to brush my hair. Like she would always brush it when it was dry and that didn't make curls. Let me tell you, it just made a very large puff that was not, it was, it was not an intentional puff either. It was just kind of like, well, we got through it. This is what it is. Go to school, hun. So I grew up not loving my hair, not thinking I had good hair, not, and y'all, that's a whole other episode, good hair. There's, I'm, I hate that term. I hate it. So let me not even, I don't sit here thinking that I'm saying some people have good hair and some people don't. Everybody has beautiful hair, different textures. You got to learn what to use for your hair, how to style it, what works and what style looks good on you. And again, I have six children. All of my children have six different textured hairs. We have several different products, but all of that to say like when we are raising our children, 
it is not just about what should they be doing at three. It's not just about how do I get them to sleep in their bed. It is not just about how do I potty train them. Sometimes a part of parenting is how do I get them to love their hair? What products do I use on this texture hair versus this texture hair? Where can I find children that look like them so that I can continue to send them to this school, which I love this school, but it doesn't have enough diversity. So where can I find people that look like them, where they're going to have experiences similar to theirs? And so this Black community is such an essential part of Black parenting. And Black love, again, it's not just about romance. Black love did not start with me and my husband. Black love started for me, actually probably after me and my husband, when I started to love myself and fully love and embrace myself, but then also learning how to protect and keep my children and my family safe. You know, I remember, and I apologize, I can can get sidetracked so easy, but stick with me, please. (laughs) I remember a time that we were in Arizona and we had, I think we had four children at the time, And we were driving at night. And for those of you that don't know, Arizona in the winter can be freezing cold at night. And we were on a road that had like not a lot of lights. And so my husband had his high beams on. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, we get pulled over by a couple of cops. And they pulled us over because someone called the cops that we were using our high beams on a road where nobody else was. I mean, I guess there was one other person if somebody called the cops, but there were not other cars. And I rem- I remember then they said something, there was some issue with the license. And so they ended up taking our car and leaving me, my husband, and our four children on the side of the road at 1130 at night in the freezing cold. And one of our babies was like a brand new, still on the boob baby. And my husband starts kind of getting like really upset. And he's like, you're going to just leave me and my kids out here in the cold, in, in, in the dark, in the cold. And I was like, babe, just calm down. And I remember for me, that was my first time really feeling like I can't go home without my husband, right? Like just let them take the car, but don't let them take my husband. Relax. Don't say anything. We'll stay here. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to get home. Um, I remember being, you know, to be honest, this is kind of, it's hard for me to talk about because I was raised being taught that racism, especially when it came to police, that that just wasn't real. I was actually taught that racism was done. It was over, right? And so when I say it's hard for me to talk about, there are some details that are hard for me to bring up because my brain automatically is like, don't share that. Somebody's going to judge it. So when I think back on it and I remember being on the side of the road and feeling like, just take my car leave my husband. I cannot go through this with my children watching something happen to their father. I cannot go back to LA with four children and no husband. Like all these thoughts and feelings running through my head, running through my body. But I remember that I think they took the car because they tried to say that my husband's license wasn't valid, but it was very much so valid. And the reason that's hard for me to talk about is because we still, not we, some of y'all still have this habit of being like, well, what did they do? What did he do wrong that he got pulled over and that they took the car? You say his license was valid, but if they took the car because they said his license was valid, his license wasn't valid. And I'm not sure why there is still so much faith in 
cops being able to do and say whatever they want in doctors being able to do and say whatever they want, that we just believe that what they said must be true and we must somehow be the criminal. And these are the types of experiences that really are black experiences. Like you don't experience them unless you're black. And I know because I was raised by a white mother and I was taught that these experiences were just in the minds of black people. And I don't say that to try to call out my mom. And I don't say that, you know, as if she was, you know, that's my mama, y'all. That's my mama. So I got to protect her too. I don't want y'all going after her and saying how she was wrong and she don't know. We all live life based on our experiences and we all learn certain things and we, we believe the truth is our experience. And we have a hard time believing the truth that someone else has an experience that is different from ours. And for me, that is one of the reasons why community is so important because I cannot just live this life feeling crazy. I can't just live this life experiencing things knowing that they're true, knowing that these doctors are asking me over and over and over again, trying to find fault with me because they see a black mom with a black boy and they're, they have other statistics that are racially biased and racially skewed and it's embedded in what they've learned and been taught and even in their cases. And I can't experience that. And I can't experience being on the side of the road with valid res- registration, valid license, driving the speed limit, using the lights that you're supposed to use and someone telling me, no, your husband did something wrong. Those cannot be my experiences and people telling me that I'm just crazy and it's in my head. And when I have black community, I have people who have stories and it sucks that we all have these stories more than sucks. Like we should not all be able to trade. uh, I was pulled over stories and that time I was in the hospital stories and that time that person said something to me in the grocery grocery store stories and the time somebody touched my hair stories. We should not all have these stories, but we do. And the community is so important because it's our safe space. You know, so often when I talk about parenting and when I talk about how to help our children and support our children, I talk about safe spaces. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably also listen to other parenting podcasts or watch parenting reels somewhere or picked up a parenting book somewhere. And you've probably heard that if your child is throwing a tantrum with you, but not at school or with you, but not their grandparents. It's because you're their safe space. These safe spaces are the most important parts of raising whatever it is you're raising, whether it's raising your child, raising your marriage, raising yourself. You have to have safe spaces where you can go and share your experiences without judgment, where you can share your feelings with validation where you can gain perspective from people who care about you and your best interest. And to me, that is Black love. That is the community, that safe space. It's not just about me and my husband. We met at the beach, fell in love. We did meet at the beach. We did fall in love. And y'all, I want you to know that we met at the beach. And he tells the story as I came out that beach water glistening, (laughs) y'all. hair blowing in the wind. Yes, that is black love. But black love is also 
having black children, raising black children, teaching those black children to love themselves, to love their hair, to love each other, to build up one another and empower themselves and one another. Black love is that community that I can call and say, girl, am I tripping? Or did they just say that to me? And they said, oh, no, yes, girl, they said that to you. You're not tripping. That happened. Black love is being able to call your cousins at 1130 at night on the side of the road in Arizona in the freezing cold trying to save your husband from uh, death by cops and then coming and taking two cars to pick up your family of then six because y'all don't fit in one car. And black love is them taking you back to them their house and comforting you and sharing resources and helping you find a new car that you can get so you can get back to L.A., Black love is me and my black mama friends calling each other and saying, do you know of a good school? Is your school talking about George Floyd? Is your school talking about the protests? They're not. How can we talk about it with our children? I can't just let this go. Do I bring this up to my school or not? Black love is, girl, my husband's getting on my nerves. (laughs) Can we go out? Black love is, babe, do you want to go out tonight? Let's leave the kids at home with whoever and spend a night out. And by the way, we have that night coming up. Date night is very important. And date night is huge for parenting because if I'm frustrated with him, my tolerance for my kids is a lot less. I can't tell y'all how many times when people ask me, how are you so patient with your kids? Patience for me is a practice. It's it's a practice and a muscle that I've built over years of working with children. But I too lose patience and I I usually lose patience when someone else is frustrating me. And usually the person who is able <laughs> to wear most of my patience is my husband. So when me and my husband are not good, my parenting is not good. Those are facts. And so this idea of like black love and cultivating all the way through, it really happens from self to children to spouse to friend to sister to brother. It's in all of these spaces and places. And it's just more, I want to say it's so important on so many fronts, but important isn't the word. It's necessary. It's necessary. I remember a group of moms that I had in in a parent workshop where we all started talking about how do I address representation for my children? You know, all these books that I'm picking up, they're the typical, who is it? Jane and Jack and Jill? Jack and Jane. Jack and Jane? Uh, Books where, you know, the characters are represented a certain way. We all recently, recently within the past few years, found out that Dr. Seuss was racist, right? We all grew up on Dr. Seuss, love Dr. Seuss, have great things to say, want to do Dr. Seuss week. And then we grew up and found out that he was racist. And now we don't want to purchase his books. But we're also like, what do I do? Because it's kind of just Dr. Seuss out here. (laughs) So now what are the classics that I buy for my children? So I had this group of moms and we come together and we're like sharing all these resources and talking about how do I talk to my child about this? And here's where you can find these amazing books. And I found these amazing affirmation cards for my children, right? So it's like this community that we need to build our children. And for me, in that conversation, when we were talking about it, we were also talking about representation and we watch TV and there are a few TV shows that actually have representation for our children and how some of our children even started noticing how on the TV, black people were really represented just one kind of way. 
And so we would have to have these conversations to teach our children, like, is that true? Where that might be what the media is representing, but what do you see in your community? What do you see in your people? And then you have things like Black Love. And I love that Black Love exists because these different conversations that came up with my children, I remember my 10-year-old asking me, Mom, are Black people always portrayed as gangsters on TV? Are Black people always portrayed as ghetto on TV? And I had to tell them, like, it depends on who is producing the work. It depends on who is writing it and directing it and producing it. And sometimes you have to look at that. You have to look at who are the people behind what you're watching? Like, who are the people behind the representation? Because just because someone's playing a role, that doesn't mean that they are representing you. They're actually representing the people that wrote the script, directed the movie, produced the movie. So who are those people that want you to see your reflection and your image and your representation in this way? And I would tell them, that's why I love Cody so much. You know, I, st- I started out telling y'all how Black Love was not just a podcast that I do. It's a family that I'm a part of, right? And I told y'all how Brandy is one of my best friends. Cody is one of my people too. Like before I started doing the podcast, Cody was, she was actually a parent in my school. Her child went to my school. That's how we met. And then she became my friend. And that's how I found out about Black Love. And I fell in love with Cody not as a producer, And not as someone who created this concept. Well, she didn't create the concept of Black love. (laughs) Not as someone who was highlighting the concept of Black love. But I fell in love with her as a person and as a friend who was there for me, who supported me. Another person I could call and talk to. Another person who would call me and say, "Uh, my child did this. What do I do? But I would tell my children, you know, Cody is a producer who is creating new images that haven't been put out there before so that you and I and Papa and other people have new representation of what is more true and accurate. And, you know, I think like a docu-series isn't something in the past that I would have been like, oh, I want my kids to watch a docu-series. <laughs> like, that's not the thought we have. We're like, where's a cartoon? Where's this? Where's that? But, and then, you know, our TV shows, we kind of want to watch them when our children go to bed. Black Love docuseries became a TV show that I would want to have on during the day when my children were walking around because I wanted them to see. I want them to pass the TV and see a better representation of what blackness is. Again, not romantic love, but let them see married couples represented episode after episode after episode and let them see different dynamics. That is one of the things that is most special to me. And again, when I, when I say that marriage has been one of the hardest parts of parenting, we've had hard times in our marriage. And there have been times where I've had to tell my children, like, this is not all of what marriage looks like. Like, Papa and I are going through a hard time right now, but this is not all of what marriage looks like. And I think it's so easy for us to see one representation of something, whether that's marriage or what school should look like or what women should look like or men should look like, right? We have like one representation or more more so known as a stereotype. And we don't realize that there are several different dynamics to what things look like and can be like. And so for my children to be able to see that early on is monumental to me. And it's such a greater part of like, that to me is a better parenting tool than me telling you how to potty train your children. Like my children getting to see image after image after image of black men and women loving on each other is better than me telling you how to 
how to get your child to sleep in their bed through the night. Although we could talk about that too. We could talk about that on episode. I can't talk to y'all about how to get your child to sleep through the night because I'm still working on that in their room. I could tell you how to get them to sleep all night in their room. That's another thing. So we could maybe I'll bring somebody in for that, but I could tell you how to potty train them. We could talk about all those things. But when people ask me about parenting and sometimes they don't love the answer because it's not an immediate answer. Not all of my solutions I can give you, oh, go do this and it'll change your life today. The greatest things that you can do are an investment of time. They are building community. They are getting to know and love yourself. They are getting to know and love your child. They are making sure that your child has great representation of people, professions, practices in things that look like them. That's a greater investment of your time than just what script can I learn, right? It is building love and empowerment and self-love into your child. And we do this through community and through what they see on TV and what they hear on the radio. When you're driving in your car, put on a Black Love podcast episode. Put on Parenting for the Culture episode, you know? Let your children hear it. Let your children hear Black people loving and thriving and doing these things and struggling and getting over struggles because those are the things that allow them to see themselves, see them fu- their future, gain the tools that they need to be the people we want them to be when we're trying to learn scripts on how to get them to stop a tantrum. I don't know if that was too much. I hope y'all heard the connection. It is connected because when we ask all these questions about parenting, we really have an end goal of, I want my child to become a successful, happy, thriving adult. How do I do that? Like, ultimately, I think that is most of our questions. And so for that, it involves so much more than just scripts and learning how to deal with tantrums. It involves allowing them to see themselves as adults in the eyes and representation and mirrors of other adults. Y'all, I can't wait to watch this final season of Black Love docuseries. And I especially can't wait to see the gains. I don't know if y'all follow Kiera no- Noemi Gaines on Instagram. I do. I love them. And he's like, he's a parenting coach. I don't even think he knows it. He definitely doesn't claim it. But I've been getting so many parenting tips from him. And I'm so excited to watch it. And that's one thing that I love about parenting. Like, you can learn so much about self and parenting from other people and the things that they do. Like, y'all know how... um Football players will take ballet so that they can be more agile on the field. It's like that. Like, I can learn from a wealth of people and apply it to parenting. And it just, it does something for me. It grows me far past anything that I've read in textbooks or conferences that I've gone to or workshops that I've taken. I always learn the most just listening to and watching other people and like being able to learn from their experiences. So anyways, I'm so excited for the final season to come out. It premieres this Saturday at 10, 9 Central on OWN. And you can catch it the next day on the Black Love Plus app. Uh, So download that today. And if you're anything like me and you don't know how to download the Black Love Plus app, just go ask your oldest child. They will do it for you, guaranteed. And I just want to thank Cody and Tommy because these are two people that I love. And not only have they cultivated this Black Love docuseries and this Black Love community. But y'all, they stand by it. Like they believe in what they do. And quick story before I head out, there was one day, I think it was like last year, where again, Hiram and I had not had a lot of time to ourselves. 
Um, we have six kids. It's not easy to, easy to find someone who's going to watch six kids for you so that you can get out and have a date night. Uh, but Cody and Tommy were like, bring those six kids over here. Yep, I got Black Love Doc that I got to edit and I got things I got to do, but they can come over here and they can hang out with the boys over here and we'll watch them. You all go out and you have a date night. I mean, how many people are going to do that? And so for me, like watching someone who creates a show about Black Love, but actually behind the scenes believes so strongly in Black Love that they're going to watch somebody's six kids so that Black Love can live and continue and breathe and grow. Like that to me is just amazing. So I love Cody and Tommy. I love Black Love. And trust me that this Black Love thing is going to keep on going. We've got podcasts. We've got original series. We've got events. Black Love is forever, y'all. All right, now I gotta go and tend to the black love at my house before the black love at my house makes a big uh, mess at my house. So uh, I hope that you guys are enjoying this podcast. As always, if you have any topics you want me to talk about, feel free to DM me on Instagram or you can enter a question in the Google form in our show notes. And please, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, don't forget to rate, review, and share this podcast with other parents. See you all next week. Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production.